Hey everyone, this is Chris Vaught, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Pursuit Podcast, where our passion is to inspire and equip you with biblical truths as you pursue after the heart of God. God desires to unveil His hope in you, a hope that will transform your life And it is a gift given to you by His amazing grace. That's our topic today on this episode of The Pursuit. Is anybody glad you came to church today? If you're glad you came to church today, give God a shout of hallelujah in this house. Yeah, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. We're excited you're here. I'm in a series we're calling Unveiled. And uh, I'm I'm preaching through Ephesians uh, this year, and it's kind of spearboard uh, wherever we're going. It's kind of coming out of Ephesians, or it's leading us in that direction. This is an incredible letter that I pray you get a hold of today. And uh, we're in Ephesians chapter three. So if you got a worship guide, got a Bible, it's open it up there. You got an iPhone, iPad, Android device, whatever you use, open it up. Ephesians chapter three, and together I want us to talk about what God is wanting to unveil for us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're taking four weeks and we're looking at the grace of God and the gospel and the impact. And my prayer is that over these four weeks, it so stirs you about what God has done for you through Jesus Christ that you realize you can't keep that to yourself. In a few weeks, Easter's coming up and Easter's the easiest time in the world for those of us who are followers of Jesus to share with someone else about our faith or invite them to come to church. We're gonna do five services Easter weekend. On Good Friday, we'll have a worship that night and all five of them, I'll be preaching pretty much the same message. So just know there's five opportunities. On Friday night though, it'll be a little different in that we're gonna have communion that night and we're gonna have a glow-in-the-dark adult egg hunt after the service, and I can't wait. We'll have little kids will be hunting eggs, but I can't wait to watch the adults run out in the fields, right? And, and, and there's gonna be some prize eggs, and, and some of them like St. Louis Cardinal tickets and, and some other gifts. I mean, there's gonna be a lot of stuff here. Uh, Saturday, after each of the worship services, two on Saturday, two on Sunday, we'll have the big helicopter come in, drop thousands of eggs on a 100-foot egg painted on the property. We'll see kids coming in from everywhere. Now, listen, I want to tell you, that's going to be a lot of fun. It's a lot exciting to see the helicopter dropping the eggs and all the kids and, and adults trying to find those cardinal tickets out in the grass. I mean, that's, that's all fun. But let me tell you why we do that. We do it so it's easier for you to invite people to come because the the number one purpose of our church, the only reason the church is even still here and hasn't been raptured to heaven yet is because God has commissioned us as believers to get the gospel to the world. There are people who don't know Jesus Christ. And when you and I uh, uh, shriek back on our responsibility of sharing the gospel, when we're not focused on telling lost people about Jesus, listen, this is going to sound a little brash, and, 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 I, and I hate that, and I just need you to understand, though, what we're doing is we're telling the world to go to hell. Amen. We're, we're telling the world that it's not about you, it, it's, it's about me and keeping me happy and me pleased, and you can just go to hell. And, and that's, that's not what Jesus left us here for. How many of you have heard the gospel and responded to it, received eternal life, and are grateful for it today? 
How many of you are still breathing that are happy about going to heaven someday? Then let me tell you that God has given you and I the responsibility now to tell a world who needs and is desiring to know that there's a God in heaven that loves them and will offer them eternal life, that God has offered us eternal life through his son. And we've got to have the heart to go and tell them. And Easter is one of the best times in the world. Because I want to tell you, on Easter, I'm preaching hope lives. And I, how many of you believe that hope is alive because Jesus came up out of that grave? Amen. And then wherever you're at and whatever you're facing, hope is alive today because of Jesus Christ. In fact, this is what we call the gospel. How many of you can help me uh, understand or define the gospel? How would you define gospel? What is the gospel that you hear about at churches? The gospel means good news. And what is the good news? If you could quote a Bible verse, what would be the Bible verse you would quote about the good news? There's all kinds that you could use. Let's all say this one together, though, because this is probably the most popular one, John 3, 16. And no matter what translation you memorize it in or ever heard it, you'll pick up on it. It's all, it all says the same thing. You ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have the gift of everlasting life. How many of you believe that today? If you do, give him a praise for that because that's some good news right there. If you believe that, there's some good news and what I, that's what I want to talk to you about today. That good news, what has God done for you? What has God done for us? And why is it that we can't stay quiet about it? We can't keep it to ourselves. If God has given his son and Jesus has died and rose from the grave, why is that so important? Because we have the gift of eternal life. And until we go to heaven ourselves, we have the mandate to make sure others hear about this incredible good news. Because God has done something special for us. I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Now, if you were with me last week, we talked about he's unveiled in me. And we talked about what has God unveiled for us to understand about the gospel. And when you understand that God will receive you when you put your faith in Jesus and turn from your sin, that he'll forgive you of your sin, that'll so transform your life, you'll never be the same again. We're reading a letter written by a guy named Paul. And Paul wrote this to a church in a town called Ephesus. People who didn't grow up in the, in the Jewish world, they didn't know uh, about, uh, about God, and they had all kinds of weird religions. And Paul, this Christian, who goes to them, preaches the gospel to them, starts a church, people start being saved, and he writes this letter to these Christians explaining to them the grace of God. Now, I want you to get a hold of this, because last week what I talked about was how Paul, at the beginning of chapter 3, says, uh, he tells the testimony of how he became a Christian. Paul was on his way to a city called Damascus to persecute Christians, and, and he wanted to arrest Christians and throw them in prison. He was, he was very agnostic against Christianity, and he didn't want people to follow Jesus. He was a Jew who, who believed Jesus was nothing more than a false prophet, and he was going to, to, uh, to beat them down. He was going to arrest them. And the Bible says that on his world to Damascus, that a light shined from heaven, brighter than the noonday sun, knocked him down off his animal. And all of a sudden, the resurrected Jesus appears to Saul. 
And Paul, who was named Saul at the time, gives his life to Christ. And the, the same man who was going to persecute Christians became one. And it was all by the grace of God. And it so changed his life, they end up changing the dude's name. How many of you can say, since you came to Christ, Christ has made a change in your life? You are not who you once were. I'm telling you, he made a difference in me. I'm telling you, Jesus will make a difference in your life. And Jesus so changed Paul that, listen, I talked about this last week. Paul said, now I am bound up by grace, and he called himself a prisoner of grace. He says, man, I'm so wrapped up in this. I'm just imprisoned by grace. I can't get over it. If you understand what Jesus has done for you, you'll never be able to get over that. He goes on and says, not only am I, am, am I uh, just absolutely inspired by it, he says, I am empowered to share the gospel. And he says, I gotta go preach this everywhere I go. He says, I am gifted by the Holy Spirit. Now I'm not just a prisoner, I'm a servant of the Lord, all because of grace. I wonder how many of you today are absolutely amazed at the grace God has poured out over your life. Are you amazed that God loves you the way he loves you, that he hears your prayers, that he would offer you eternal life, that he'd forgive you of your sin no matter how bad they are, no matter how vast away from God you've been, that if you call on the name of the Lord now, and listen, I wanna tell you, people struggle with this. They struggle with this because we have so much pride. We want to earn God's favor. We want to say, I earned this. I'm good enough for God. I changed my own life. I did this my way. And I want to tell you that pride will keep you from experiencing the grace of God. Because you can't earn it. You can't do enough good deeds to receive it. You've got to accept it by faith and give your heart to Jesus Christ. And if you do, I'm telling you today, God will transform your life. You'll never be the same again. He'll take you wherever you are and offer you forgiveness if you humbly give him your heart and you'll never be the same. And Paul said, I'm telling you, this has transformed my life. Let's pick up the reading in verse six because then he goes on and says, uh, uh, now I want you to see what God's unveiled for all of us, for all of us who have been inspired by the grace of God. He picks it up in verse six, and we're only gonna read that one verse there, and I'll bring a lot of other verses to play with this. So look at it with me. Everybody read, ready, go. This mystery, the mystery of this gospel, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, somebody shout the Gentiles, and, and, and somebody shout everybody who's not a born Jew. All right, that's all that means. Gentiles is anybody uh, outside of the Jewish race, all right? Because God made a promise to Abraham and the Jews have been hanging on to that promise. And, and Paul, a Jew who become a Christian says, I need you to know the promise isn't, isn't for the Jews. The promises of God are for everybody, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every man, every woman, every little boy, every little girl who will ever put their trust in Jesus Christ. Watch this, watch this, watch this. This is so good. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, watch this, watch this, watch this, are heirs together with Israel. And they are members of one body. And they are shares together in the promises 
of Christ Jesus. Get your pen, because you know we circle and underline all kinds of stuff. In fact, uh, I, I, I took a picture of my Bible. This is what your Bible looked like if you come with me every Sunday and just going through the book of Ephesians. All right, this is how your Bible is going to look like if you take it from your sermon notes and put it in your Bible. That, that's just chapter two and three in my Bible right there. So you can see all the circles and underlines. So when I tell you to do that, I do it myself. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle three words there in verse six. Here we go. Circle the word heirs. Because here's what the gospel's done for us. We are now heirs of all of the promises God ever gave Israel. No matter if you're a Jew or not a Jew. And listen, you say, Pastor, why is this important to me? I'm fixing to tell you why this is important for you. Because not only are you an heir, uh, not only are you an heir, but circle this word, you're also a member in one body and, and, and you're a sharer. You're a sharer in all of the promises of Christ. And, and you say, is this really all that important? Listen, let me tell you how important this is. The apostle Paul, a Jew who became a Christian, who preached this to Gentiles, did so at the threat of his own life. And this message, what he's preaching in verse six, that message is the whole reason that the apostle Paul was executed in Rome. He was beheaded because he would not denounce the resurrection of Jesus and he would not denounce that Jesus offers salvation to everyone, not just a select group. Look at your neighbor and tell them everybody means even you. And then grin at them real big. Right? I mean, it's for all of us. And the gospel is for every man, woman, boy, and girl. And this message is so vital to the church to get a hold of that Paul died not denouncing this message. He died for this. Just read his story in Acts 22. In Acts 22, Paul is arrested in the temple because he's been preaching to Gentiles. And they arrested him, and as they're dragging him away, Acts 22 says, Paul stopped with the Roman guard and said, can I talk to the crowd? And they said, yeah, you can talk for a minute. And Paul got up and told his grace story. Paul got up and told how that he was on his way to Damascus in the light and how Jesus revealed himself to him. And you know what? The crowd was cool with that. They were okay with that as long as he was preaching Jesus. Then, watch this, he says, and God sent me to preach this gospel to Gentiles, to people outside of the Jewish covenant, to Gentiles. And the Bible says that so infuriated the crowd. The Bible says it this way. At this point, they stopped listening to him and they all began to scream away with this man. And if you want to know what eventually got Paul killed, it was because he would not stop preaching that every man, woman, boy, and girl can have eternal life. And if you're not a naturally born Jew, that means you can have eternal life through the grace of God. This message was preached for you. Paul died to get you this message. You ought to interrupt five seconds of this sermon and just tell God how grateful you are. Paul didn't stop preaching. Jesus will save everybody. The gospel's for everybody. That's why our church can't ever stop inviting people and telling folks about Jesus because we want everyone to know that God has offered salvation to all of us. You say, well, pastor, why was that such a big deal? Well, if you know much about the religious uh, history of the religious world, especially between Jews and Christianity, You'll know there's a huge separation in the minds of the Jews, the ancient Jews, to, to Christians and to Gentiles. And it goes back actually a couple thousand years before Jesus was ever born. It was a conversation 
that God had with the father of the Jewish people. His name was Abraham. So we're going to go all the way back to Abraham, right? Father Abraham. And, and, and God made a promise to Abraham thousands of years ago. And I want you to look at it. It's in Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses 2 and 3. Look at this. Genesis 12. Here we go. God says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. Somebody shout this. There's a blessing coming. Right? All right. So, and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I'll curse. Now underline the rest of the verse and say it out loud with me. And I want you to catch this because here's where God planted the mystery of the gospel. And for centuries, they didn't see it. Are you ready? Here we go. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, God gives this promise to this old man named Abraham that he's going to have a child. And, I, and, and listen, Abraham is 75 years old. Watch this, watch this, watch this. And childless. He didn't have any children. And God said to Abraham, Abraham, one day you're going to have a son. And it would be 25 years later before it happened. Somebody said it had to be a God thing. I mean, he's 100 years old when his son Isaac's ever born. But watch this, watch this, watch this. How many know God will give you a blessing if you'll trust him that's even greater than what you think God will do? God says to Abraham when he's 75 and childless, I will give you a child. Watch this, watch this. God also says, and then I'm going to give you a nation. Now, if you're 75 and you have no children and God says, I'm going to give you a child, you're like, whoo, that's really big, but that's cool. Then God says, I'm going to give you a nation. You're like, buddy, you better get busy, right? I mean, a nation's coming out of me, right? And so God says, not only am I, are you going to have a child, not only are you going to have a nation. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It gets even bigger than that. Somebody shout, God's pretty big. He says, one is going to come from you. If you continue reading this, the conversation, one is going to come from you who is going to be the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Anointed One of God, who's going to bring salvation to all peoples. He's going to bless all nations. This is what God said to an old man named Abraham. You're going to have a child, you're going to have a nation, and you're even going to have the Anointed Messiah come out of you. Is that, is that awesome or what? Now watch this. So for centuries, the Jews have always held to, they were the anointed people of God, chosen of God, favored of God, and everyone else outside the Jewish world. For centuries, they had this idea that if you weren't a Jew, you were outside of the promises of God, outside the covenant of God, outside of the blessings of God, right? This is why this is so important. Because Jesus is a descendant out of the seed of Abraham. And here is, uh, here is God saying to Abraham, out of your seed is going to come one to be the Messiah. And Paul is saying, I want to tell you what his name is. His name is Jesus. And he's going to bless all the world. And, and, the, and the people were like, are you kidding me? Is that really real? And God's like, yeah, that's exactly right. Watch this. So take your Bibles there and write this down in the first fill in the blank there. I want you to get this. The grace that God is unveiling here is that we are all heirs of God when we put our trust in Jesus. And for centuries, the Jews thought it was just going to be them. 
And they couldn't accept the Gentiles coming into faith. And Paul says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm here to tell you, God himself preached that the Gentiles were going to be saved when he talked to Father Abraham all those years ago. You remember a moment ago I had you underline that last little verse there in, in Genesis chapter 12? Look at the first two words of that phrase I had you to, to um, underline. Circle those two words, all peoples. That didn't mean just Jews. And for years they couldn't see it. This is why Paul in verse 6 that we're reading says the mystery of the gospel. Today, people have a hard time with the gospel. They just can't get it to conceptualize because it's by faith through grace. They think they've got to earn it. The Jews had a hard time with it because they thought it was only for the Jews and didn't realize it was also for the Gentiles. My prayer is that all of us will understand God is unveiling to us that through Jesus Christ, all people can be saved and become an heir. Watch this, watch this, because this is so crazy. You become an heir to God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. In other words, God becomes your daddy when you become a child of God. He becomes your father and you become sons and daughters of the most high God. Now question mark, is there any devil in hell bigger than God, stronger than God, mightier than God? So is there anything you're gonna ever face that is greater than what God has already promised you as his son or daughter? Is there any time his protection isn't gonna be with you? Is there any moment God can't provide for you? Is there any moment when God's not gonna hear you if you are his child and you cry out father he's going to say I'm listening you become an heir to the kingdom of God God will never leave you in this life because you never tell your children they're no longer part of you and when this life is over, if you put your trust in Christ, you receive the inheritance of heaven. So you've got God's presence with you now. You've got eternity with him coming. I'm telling you, it doesn't get much better than that. Amen. And one of the gifts of God's grace, what has God done for us? I pray you get a hold of this. He's made you an heir. Now, when do you become an heir? to God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Look at Galatians chapter three. There on your outline, look at Galatians chapter three, verse seven. And so what happens here is this same guy, Paul, wrote another letter to early Christians, Gentile Christians in a place called Galatia. If you're reading in the Bible, it's the book to the left and Galatians chapter three and Ephesians chapter threes run parallel together. The same, pretty much the same message is being preached to both groups. Watch this. He goes back to the Galatians and he says, you know the Abraham story. Let me just spell it out for you. Somebody shout, let's get it out there. Cause this is so rich. I want you to watch this. Look at verse seven. So Paul said to the church in Galatia, so also Abraham, underline this, believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, if you're 75 and God says you're going to have a son, how many know you better believe what God said? Because he still had to go home and tell Sarah. Are y'all with me this morning? Come on now. He had to go convince Sarah. And then, and then can you imagine the conversation when he said, uh, God also said, we're going to have a nation come out. 
Yeah, and then he says, and oh, by the way, one day the Son of God's going to come through us. Come on, are you with me? So here's what he says. He says, so Abraham had to believe God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then, watch this, underline it, that those who have, what's the next word? Circle it and say it out loud. What's the next word? Those who have what? Faith are who? Children of Abraham. You know how you become a child of Abraham or, or in the family? It's through faith. He says that you're the children of Abraham. And look at this, just so that everybody understands, he writes scripture for Saul that God would justify who? The Gentiles, how? By faith. And he announced it. Here's, what's, here's what just messed with me all week when I read this verse. Here's what messes with me. Because he says, not only did God foresee this, but he preached it, he announced the gospel when? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? No, 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 long time before that. Long time before Jesus was ever even born. He preached it when he talked to Abraham. He announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. Look at it, all nations will be blessed through you. And so thousands of years ago with Father Abraham, God said, I'm telling you there's gonna be a people come out of you, but not just a people, a savior. And the savior won't just be for your kids. He's gonna be for the kids of the whole world. He's gonna be for every nation. Wow. And for years they missed that. That was the mystery that was hidden. And Paul says, I'm telling you, the mystery's been unveiled that now all nations, so those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham. How do you and I come into the family of God? We're adopted into the family of God, write this down, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. Not that you earn it, you receive it. You believe that he is who he said he was and is, and he'll do what he said he would do. And when Jesus Christ died on that cross, he died in your place. And when, when he came up out of that grave, he came up with a promise of eternal life to all who call upon his name. We are saved by grace, the goodness of God, the grace of God by faith. Number two, we're members now of one family. How many of you are saved by the grace of God? Shout amen. amen. Can I tell you what you are now? You are family members with Abraham. Look at your neighbor and tell them, me and Abraham are kinfolk. Right? All the promises God gave to Israel, they now belong to you. And, and, and listen, all the promises of God, the covenants of God, God loving you as his own child, everything he promised Abraham now belongs to you by faith when you gave your heart to Christ. And now we're members of one family. Do not segregate Jesus. We have people in the church world that, that put more confidence in their tribe than they do their savior. And, and they'll say, well, God's a Baptist, or God's a Methodist, or God's a Charismatic, or God's a Presbyterian, or a Pentecostal, or a Catholic. Look at me and let me tell you, Jesus isn't segregated. He died to make all people one under him. How do we become in the family of God? Through faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. Now this church, if you came to Coffee of the Pastor, you'll hear me tell you, we have an affiliation. We partner, just as I ask you to partner with us, we partner with a group of like-minded Christians who call, who call it General Baptists. And what that simply means is, we believe in general atonement, believing that Jesus died for everyone. 
Every man, woman, boy, and girl can have the opportunity of salvation. That's what general stands for. And we're Baptists. And what that means is, is we like to baptize people after they make a profession of faith. So it's a celebration that they made the choice themselves. Hey, folks, that's just what we all agree on. But I want to tell you, how do you come into the family of God is not being a Baptist or a Pentecostal or a Methodist. How you become a child of God is putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what tribe you've been associated with. We're about Jesus Christ, and our church is going to preach and teach about Jesus Christ and that you can be saved. And when you're saved, you come into a family. And listen, Jesus is praying for us to be a family. John 17, the prayer Jesus prayed right before he was crucified, is a prayer that is being prayed 2,000 years later. It is still in the heart of God even this morning. Look at John 17. Jesus prayed this, Father, I do not pray for these alone, but, underline that or circle it. How many know if there's a but in the Bible, you need to see why it's there. I don't pray for just these alone, not just the ones who are there with him at the moment, but for all those who will believe in me through their word. So now every time the gospel is preached and someone puts their faith in Christ, Jesus is praying for that person. That prayer is still being heard. Sometimes we pray and we'll go a few days and we think God forgot the prayer. I'm telling you, God never forgets a prayer. He's remembered this one for 2,000 years already. Amen? Jesus says, I'm praying that all those who ever believe in me, that they will be what? That they may be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be what? One in us. Underline the rest of this that the world may believe you sent me. This is why this is so important. This is why we, we point everybody to Jesus Christ because the way the world believes in what we're doing here in this church this morning is by watching how we interact with each other and how we communicate to a lost and dying world that needs to know about a good Savior who loves them and wants to give eternal life. I, I tell you, the way that the people are gonna be convinced about our salvation is the way we love one another and the way we're united as one. If we're all about the mission together. And I wanna tell you, here at Connection Point Church, it is easy to know what our mission's about because I never, I never hide it from you and I tell you about it all the time. It's to get the gospel to more people so they can be saved, amen? And, and that's, that's what we're gonna do until Jesus comes back. In fact, the Bible gives us a picture of what heaven's gonna be like. Revelation chapter five, verse nine, look at it with me. And in heaven, they sang a new song. We learned a new song this morning, didn't we? So we had dress rehearsal this morning. And they sang a new song, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. You know exactly the song lyrics you're gonna sing in heaven someday. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God. Underline the rest of the verse and say it out loud with me. Ready, go. You ordained persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Who are the they? They are people from every tribe, every nation, every people group on this planet. Anyone who hears the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? We're gonna all be in heaven together. We're all gonna be around the throne together. We're all gonna be singing the same song together. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Let me give you the third one here. Not only are we members of the same family, but we are partners now in the promise. 
Now this, pro- this partnership has three parts to it that just excites me, and I, I want you to see it. Uh, first of all, I want you to write this down. What happens when any of us uh, pray and give our hearts to Jesus Christ? What happens to us in that moment when we become an heir of God? What happens in that moment when we become a member of the family of God? What happens in that moment? Write this down. You receive the promise of justification. Now, I want, to, I want us to look up on the screen, and we're going to read a verse together. It's Romans chapter 4. On your outline, I was so excited while I was writing the sermon that I actually um, uh, I pasted the wrong verse on there for you, so it's wrong on your outline, and you just got to forgive me. So you got to look up on the screen, all right? Um, Romans 4, 16. Here it is. I want you to read it out loud with me. Watch this. Therefore, the what? The promise comes How? by faith, so that it may be by grace. How are we saved? We're saved by faith through or through faith by grace, right? By by faith and by grace. And, And listen, I love this. Look at this. And it may be, and we may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Not only to those who are of the law, not just the Jews who are under the Mosaic law, but also, shout also, to those who have faith, the faith of Abraham. He is the father of who? Of us all. Look at this. The promise comes to us by faith, by the grace of God. We are guaranteed to become Abraham's offspring. Wait a minute. It's not done. Look at the next verse. But also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe, and here's the gospel, you ready? For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins, read with me now, and he was raised to life for our justification. What happens in the moment you and I repent of our sins and we believe that Jesus died and he rose again? The Bible says he transfers our guilt And Jesus, who was a sinless son of God, forgave us. And he writes, Tetelestai, over your sin and deadness. And when Jesus came up out of that grave, he brought up your justification. You become right with God. You say, wait a minute. I can't accept that. Don't I got to earn his forgiveness? Honestly, what are you ever going to do big enough to get God to forgive you? God knows there's nothing you can do. So God said, I'll just do it for you. And when Jesus went to the cross, he took my sin and he took your sin and he nailed it on his cross. And when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, listen to me, just like Jesus came up out of that tomb, you come up out of your sin and you become justified in the sight of God. Anybody justified in this house, you ought to give him about five seconds of a shout in this place. And thank God that you are justified by grace through faith. Not only are you justified, not only did he justify you, you have the promise of being sealed by the Holy Spirit. You're a promise to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. Look at Galatians 3.14. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Hey folks, (laughs) it doesn't get any plainer than that right there. He has redeemed us so that the promises that God gave to Abraham are now being passed on to us, Gentiles, through Christ Jesus, so that by faith, underlying this, we receive the promise. The promise of what? 
the promise of the Spirit of God, the blessed Holy Spirit. And listen, I know I'm going to preach this again on Easter, so you just got to let me do a little primer. Can I have just a little minute for a primer before Easter? Do you realize what happens the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? He forgives you of all your sin and justifies you. How do I know I'm forgiven? Because then he also puts a deposit down inside of you, and it's the precious Holy Spirit of God. What Holy Spirit? The exact same Holy Spirit that came up on that first Easter morning and woke Jesus up from the dead and raised him up, and he walked out of that grave. The Bible says the same Spirit that rose Jesus up, he'll come and live inside of you. Now, if the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, is there any devil in hell big enough to take away your joy, your peace? Is there any addiction you can't get over? Any unforgiveness or hurt you can't get victory of? Is there any failure in your past that God can't help you get up and, and move on? Is there anybody you can't love? Is there anybody you can't just go out and share the gospel with? Is there any struggle or trouble or trial that you will ever face that is greater than the Spirit of God that lives down inside of you that get rose Jesus up from the dead? I'm here to tell you, if you've got Jesus in you, you've got resurrection and power living on the inside of you and there's nothing hell can do about it. That's why we'll always preach there's forgiveness and there's grace and there's victory for those who put their trust in Jesus. Because it's about the Spirit of God living in you. Do you know what Jesus said to his disciples? I know my time's up and I gotta quit, but do you know what Jesus said to his disciples when he's walking with them? How many think it'd be pretty cool to walk with Jesus? I mean, come on, folks. And, and Jesus said, boys, I want to tell you something. I'm fixing to die, and they're going to bury me, and then I'm going to rise from the grave, and I'm going to go back to the right hand of the Father, and that's good for you. Now, if you were walking with Jesus for three and a half years, how many of you would say, no, Jesus, I think you staying here with me is pretty good. Jesus said, no, see, as long as I'm with you, I'm just with you. But Jesus said, if I ascend back to the right hand of the Father, I'll send the Holy Spirit to come down to you. And not he won't just be with you like I'm with you. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit won't just be with you. He will be in you. Now, how many can tell the difference that it's a whole lot better to have Jesus inside of me than Jesus walking beside of me? Do you realize what God's done for you in salvation? He's justified you and sealed you with this Holy Spirit. Now, let me give you this verse here, Ephesians 1, 13. And you also were included. When were you included in the family of God? You were also included when, here's the gospel, when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked with him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance in heaven. He's our guarantee until when? How long can I uh, believe that I'm sealed? And it's until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. In ancient times, they were, a king would take a document and he would fill it out and sign it. He'd roll it up. They'd take hot wax and put it on the end and, and he would seal the document with wax and then he'd take his signet ring and put his signet in there. And the carrier always had the authority 
of the king and that seal was not to be broken until it reached its final destination. And I'm here to tell you, Paul says that the moment you give your life to Christ, you are sealed with the signet of God's impression by the Holy Spirit inside you. And he's not going nowhere until he's called up to be with the Lord in the air. I'm telling you, you are sealed until you are delivered into your inheritance. Somebody ought to shout it by now. I'm just going to tell you. Somebody ought to say that's good news. Thank you for joining us today for the Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our blog, watch past sermons, or find other great resources, check us out at chrisvaught.net, and then check us out on social media. Then tune in again next week, and we will open our Bibles and together pursue after the heart of God. Thank you again for joining us at The Pursuit.